I'm a huge Beatles fan, and I remember reading an interview where John Lennon made a comment. And he said, Sgt. Pepper was not a concept album. It was just, we just recorded what we were writing at the time, and we told everybody that it was. And they all bought it. That kind of blew my mind. It was like, okay, so maybe I'm trying too hard, and maybe I just need to get out of the way. And then you just tell people, this is what it is, and this is what it means, and you know, people are going to either believe you, which for them, you know, they believe everything they said. <laughs> to make music that isn't too lowest common denominator to where it doesn't sound original, but then to also retain some real simplicity is that, like that particular equation of songwriting is very difficult because everything's been done very well with all these thousands and thousands of records that I have on the wall, there's like millions and millions and millions of great songs. So it's hard to, to write something simple and, and have it sound original, but that's the idea is the simplicity behind it. But then all the, all that data has been used up over time. Cause right now it's 2022 going on 23 and it's, it's wild to think there's only 12 tones in the scale. There's only so many chords that, that really sound good next to each other, like formulation of chords that sound appealable to the ear. I'd say like in all in all, Hiccup is a testament to that sort of simplicity. And the whole record in general isn't about our prog rock chops per se, because we're kind of a proggy band in a way. So it's 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 cool to, to write something a little bit more mature. If we go back in time a bit with the, the history of the way recordings sound, a lot of those early, again, Stax Motown recordings were basically like done in very small rooms. You know, like, like a room like this. It's like you don't hear like a decay that's super, super long, like a, like a two-second, three-second decay. So it's like... If you hit a snare drum in a small room like that we're in here at Boondock Studios, it's like really fast. It's just like ta, ta. You know what I'm saying? So, so it's, that's kind of a that's kind of a cool thing to do with the song because again, we're you can hear the air between the notes. So, so a lot of, and with a lot of Humphrey's music is very busy. There's not much room to breathe normally in kind of a lot of our arrangements. It's very filled. You know, it's like a thick soup. A lot of stuff going on in, in the soup, you know. So, you know, Hiccup's kind of a example in minimalism and really letting the pocket breathe because you can you can almost like stick your finger in, in between the notes. You know what I'm saying? It's like it kind of it kind of has that sort of vibe, almost like when you think of a reggae feel, there's so much air inside of a reggae feel. funny talking about hiccup and the beatles because they have a lot of wah wah ooh, wah yeah, that kind of stuff going on and i i wasn't necessarily thinking of of that but the song was so poppy and so different that in my mind i thought well we've never done the the do wop bop bop you know the classic 
background vocal thing. So let's just try it on this. And uh, it just, I didn't expect it to land, but we haven't tried it live yet too. <laughs> so yeah, I like that the tempo of it is upbeat and just the fact that it's different. And I could see it being something that if if someone's never heard of Humphreys, they'd, oh, who is this? Oh, it's Humphreys. Never mind. But we would at least get them to listen. <laughs> Welcome back to Talking Circles, a podcast about Umphreys McGee's 2022 album, Asking for a Friend. With the record released, we're diving into the deep cuts to give you the inside scoop on everything that went into the band's new record. In this episode, we're focusing on the eighth track from the record, Hiccup. A song written with the intention of being simple, straightforward, and catchy, we'll dive into the origins of the song, the challenges of tackling straightforward songwriting, and the inspiration that comes from laying down a solo when you otherwise may want to take a nap. Jake sent me a demo, and it was called Hiccup. And it was pretty much the form. And he... I think he just banged it on the day. And it, I hear the Steely Dan on the, the major seven chords, but I also get a, a Clash vibe. I don't know why. And when I first heard it, I was like, okay, this is unlike any of our songs that we've put out before. So I, I like this. I don't know how this is going to fit in our catalog. It doesn't sound like us. We don't have anything like this. How am I going to make this stick around? So I'm listening to it. It's called Hiccup. The demo is called Hiccup. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I need to find a, a, a way to use the word Hiccup. I've never used it, but it's already got a title. It's a great title. How do you sound like a Hiccup? The only way to is to stutter. So I thought about, okay, if I can figure out how to go Hiccup, like Hiccup. <laughs> Like, like I'm, so that became literally the first thing. My first goal was I got to figure out where to sneak that in, and then I was going to build outwardly around it. So then the hiccup, which sounds weird to say, became okay. What was the next part? My medicine is start. They and then I I was like, okay, I think that's cool. I've never done anything like that. And then I couldn't think of anything for the verse for six months. And now I got the hiccups and I'm starting to think that they might not ever go away. Yeah, hiccup kind of uh, generated when I was listening to some more of like old time Stax recordings that had a lot of like, you know, where the guitar chops on the two and the four. One, two, three, four, one, two. You know, like... kind of like a reggae thing but if you play a straight drum beat over it you get that kind of like memphis or or like a or like a motown sort of beat really focusing on that two and four come up with this kind of old school vibe that 
that kind of harken back to, to like mid-60s uh, Motown stacks, you know, uh, Muscle Shoals studio uh, recordings. So, so I kind of, you know, went into the studio here in Boondock and laid down, you know, a, a quick idea and then did a second revision of it and kind of tweaked some of the uh, inner parts to make it a little bit more progressive. I wanted this like we this like ween vibe on top of like old school, you know. You know, that sort of you know typical sort of thing. So I wanted it to to, to feel like you've heard it before. As we've discussed throughout this series, Jake's method of songwriting is very different from Brendan's. Whereas the latter works in bursts of songwriting, creating a plethora of ideas to combine at a later date, Sinninger approaches songwriting with a completist mindset. Assembling a track from scratch, adding drums and bass, and presenting Brendan with as complete of a song as possible. And then one day I sat down and tried it and was like, okay, if I'm singing about hiccups, let's, okay, what makes you hiccup? Oh, drinking too much. Okay, let's, let's talk about that. And then it was finished. Sent that over to Brendan. And that was just a pile of stuff that I, uh, you know, one of the tunes out of, out of many that I sent over there. And they were all named like COVID-1, COVID-2, COVID-3, COVID-4. You know, I think this one was COVID-5. And then that ended up becoming a uh, hiccup as, as we know it. So, that, you know, and then Brendan will sit on a form like that for quite a while because he'll probably have three or four different revisions or ideas for one particular, you know, backdrop that I send to him. You know, basically, I just send him a back, backdrop of music, and I keep his vocals in mind. I keep all the spaces where I'm like, okay, well, here's where the verse is going to be, and I'll make it long enough to where he can he can fill up the, all that vocal spot in that verse. And I'm like, okay, here's the chorus. Make sure we leave all that space for that for that vocal to really shine. So as I'm as I'm, record, as I'm recording uh, uh, the demo, I'm really keeping in mind Bayless singing over the top of this stuff later. So I try not to like you know add a bunch of like. I wouldn't want to like add a bunch of melody over the top of you know when I send it to Brendan because that's just going to cloud what he has to do over the top so it's a very careful balance of what you what you send to him and what he's able to sing over so it can't be too cloudy with melody and a bunch of trimmings and and ad lib and and embellishment you got to send it to him kind of straight and then he can come up with that beautiful melody and vocal statement it was interesting to me because it almost it sits on an island in my mind of here's Humphrey's songs and over here is Hiccup. It doesn't sound like anything we've done. And I didn't know if it was ever going to find a home. You know, sometimes Jake sends me stuff and I send it back to him and we show it to everybody and it, it just kind of sits in a, in purgatory. And now I'm stuck in a situation that I, I tried to duck in. For me, it's more of just 
get the idea, put it down, move on to the next one. Because once everything is shown to the team and once we start working on something as a unit, it could go in any number of directions. It's, it, we, we've had, I, I can't think of off the top of my head a specific example, but I know there's been times where here's the idea of a song, it's very simple, and then, you know, after everyone plays with it, it this now is an odd meter part, now this part is heavier, now this part is a whole step down, so it's grooves more. So I'm never really thinking, we, we just did a prog rock album, so we need to do a acoustic mellow album. Oh, we just put out an acoustic mellow album, we need to put out a dance party. I mean, I kind of go the extra mile and get all like the, the rhythm section pocket work in there because that's what, you know, when I kind of like building the song from the ground up. You know, have, having that great bass line that works with the kick drum and, and, and have a real uh, particular drum pattern that works well with the guitar chords. I mean, all that all that really is the, uh, the DNA and the structure of the song, really, that you build that house on. You know, just have, it's, that's why I hate, would, would hate using like a drum machine to write a song that's just like, you know what I'm saying? It's tough because everyone has different opinions and we're very democratic. I think if it's super obvious to everybody, then, you know, for this album, it was hard to pick the order and it was hard to pick the first thing we put out. I know, I don't know what I want was not going to be the first single. And I can't remember what it was going to be, but I remember talking to Kevin maybe like three days before we were going to do it. And I just said, hey, man, I I don't know what the other guys are thinking. If anyone said anything, my gut is just, it's not that. And he said, well, what is it? And I said, well, if I had to pick right now, I would say I don't know what I want just because I think it's the most powerful and it's, it's you know, we're not, we're not fucking around. But, you know... At the same time, you trust other, you know, other people like Ryan Hewitt or Greg Majors, who worked on the record with us, or Kevin. What do they think? You know, so it was easy to kind of defer to them. But it's funny because I don't think Hewitt and Greg agreed on Hiccup. So then it became okay. Who do we listen to? It's hard to tell. I think basically, if somebody has a really, really firm feeling and they speak up, then we just go with that. Working as a complete unit, the band sculpts each of their songs to perfection before release. However, whereas in past records, complex musical passages and revolutionary musical ideas were essential to their songwriting, on asking for a friend, simplicity was the key. Simple communication around relatable ideas over music that could connect beyond their core fan base. This presented an altogether new challenge for the band. So it's like, again, just keeping things really simple and not, you know, making things complicated for complicated sake. A lot of the new record um, sort of resonates that maturity, I think, and kind of, but we, we wanted to make music that we would want to listen to over and over. You know what I'm saying? It's like sometimes uh, long-winded progressive are great and all but it's like you know i want to hear 
uh, uh, you know, a super tramp song that, that I could hear a million times. You know what I mean? Like that, that that's why we could hear Beatles songs a, a million times and never really get sick of them. Trying to tap into that that um that consistency in mature songwriting where there's a good DNA inside the song that just really sounds like it's got legs. Guys, it's, it's off and running. It's gonna make the record. Yeah, it's born. <laughs> yeah, one anecdote. We were in, in Chris's we were in Nashville, Chris's recording overdubs for it. And we were doing streams that night. And I basically thought the part that was the guitar now is the guitar harmony part, I thought it was just gonna be a Jake solo. So in my mind I was done and I remember I was eating a sandwich and laying on the couch and I was about to take a nap and Jake walked up and he was like, I don't think a solo is going to work. Your turn. And I was like, oh man, I was about to take a nap. (laughs) So I went down and I thought about it and I said, I don't know. I don't want to play a solo because I'm not good at them. It's going to take me four hours. So I thought to myself, how do I get out of this? Okay. Play a very simple line and then play a harmony to it. And then I'll be done. And I literally did that. And I think both parts from walking into the room to walking out was about 12 minutes. And I walked out kind of like, oh, I hope they like it because I just want to go take a nap. <laughs> I listened back to it. It's actually pretty good. It could have been more intricate, but the song is so simple. It would have been weird to make it too noty. On the next episode of Talking Circles, we'll dive into the third track on the album, Always October. Talking Circles is a production of Osiris Media and Umphreys McGee. Audio production by Matt Dwyer. Written and produced by Brian Brinkman, RJB, and Kevin Browning. All interviews and audio used with permission from Umphreys McGee. Osiris.